Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and as you can tell, I'm a little under the weather today, but nothing will stop the BAMP from coming at you. Um, but coming from across the pond is the Kingsman to my statesman, Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Matt, how are you this evening? I am doing very well, John. I seem to remember the last time that you were under the weather with a gravelly voice. I remember thinking this is like Mrs. Midnight Burke. You know, your midnight after midnight radio, you know, reading out some of those forlorn love letters or uh, things like that. I don't know if do you, I'm a, I know you guys got that over here, over there, sorry, but I kind of miss that when you'd put the radio on late at night and it would be, hey, this is, uh, this is DJ Burke. I've got a letter here from John. He's, it's to the brown haired lady on the number 68 bus today. If you're listening to this, call me. I remember get, hearing that kind of crap or, or like jilted yep. lover stories late at night and thinking, damn i hope i don't become one of those and well life will do that to you my friend but i'm i'm doing well i have a cup of tea as i always do john please tell me you have some tea to soothe your throat i i do i'm drinking peppermint Ah. tea with a little bit of uh, orange blossom honey over here Mm. um trying to make my my throat soothe for this uh duration of the podcast because we're here to talk about a movie that I know all of you are clamoring to hear our take on. Uh, <laughs> it's honk for Jesus period. Save your soul. That is the full title of the movie. Yes. Um, it is, this was a very quiet uh, release week. Not a whole lot of new content came out. Um, there was jaws and IMAX, which I'll talk about when we get to our media consumption. Um, but otherwise, there wasn't like a lot of new movies that came out this weekend uh, as we're kind of easing into September. September is going to start to we're going to start seeing some stuff come out that we've been waiting on. But uh, it is a kind of slow month to start. Um, not to discredit this film, though, this uh, movie, I didn't realize this until I was reading some reviews about it. But um, it's actually uh, the director and the director's twin is the producer on the film, um, Adama uh, Ebo is the writer director, but uh, Adama's sister, I don't remember the sister's name, but is it's also starts with an A and also has the last name Ebo is the, they're twins. So another twin uh, pairing um, uh, d- put this movie together. They did a short, I think in 2018, that was just called Home yes. for Jesus. And this is a, a continuation of it. Um, stars, this movie stars Regina Hall, who's almost always great. Uh, Sterling K. Brown, same. Also, this man is so ripped in this movie. Yes. yes. I don't know if it's for a, an upcoming action movie or something, because he does not need to be that ripped in this movie, but he I is. Mean, he is ripped in this he movie. He was in Predators about four <laughs> years ago, so unless he just kept himself in like peak well, condition. It, he's done actually. Like, he did Hotel Artemis, which was the, the John Wick-inspired yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. kind of thing. Um, but I don't remember him like, shirt off, and he's just like, he's far too ripped for this. Again, not an offensive thing. If that's just how he no, keeps no. himself, good lord. But like, Insane. I do also um, think that plays into the character when we get into it. Mm-hmm. I do think that, that it is an unsubtle nod to what this film <clears throat> is uh, is pointing at. Yes, for sure, for sure. But again, he Still, didn't yeah. need to be that ripped because he's Making like me and John look bad. He's Marvel level ripped. He's also in Black Panther the uh, the first one, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but not again. I don't think with his shirt off because it's not necessary in that movie. Uh, but the dude, he, I think he could stand a toe to toe with a lot of the MCU guys. Um, He's buff. I- at least in terms of build, uh, Nicole Barari, confidence, Austin Crute and uh, Davari Rogers are the rest of the cast. Um, 
the synopsis from IMDb is, In the aftermath of a huge scandal, Trinity Childs, the first lady of prominent Southern Baptist megachurch, attempts to help her pastor husband, Lee Curtis Childs, rebuild their congregation. Um, last I checked, uh, 74% Rotten Tomatoes critic score, but only a 23 audience score, <laughs> 64 meta score, 5.0 IMDb user score, and a 3.2 letterbox. Um, and this is currently uh, on, it's in theaters and also in the States, it's on Peacock. Same here, um, Peacock in the in the UK as well. So I did go to the theater to see this. I actually took my wife, which I, hmm. I didn't, I didn't think she was going to like it. Um, and I, I was right. I think it actually upset her a little bit. Um, that would be the twenty three percent audience score coming out as yeah, well, for sure. Um, so, uh, to me, to really grasp what this movie's getting at, uh, it helps if you've seen two other films. Um, one last year's Eyes of Tammy Faye. Yes, because uh, it, it, it's another look at this type of megachurch and the uh, the kind of corruption that is embedded in this type of thing. Um, you know, where you have people saying, I have all this wealth because God has bestowed it upon me. Now give me your money, um, which is a weird, you know, juxtaposition when you have people in your congregation who are struggling to survive and you have helicopters and mansions and things of that nature. It is a weird, uh, dynamic at, at the very least without getting into any kind of, you know, religious beliefs or anything, just that you have so much and the people that you are preaching to have almost nothing it seems like maybe you should not flaunt your wealth so extravagantly. Mm -hmm. That movie, so Eyes of Tammy Faye, I think helps to kind of give some context to this. But then there's a documentary. Matt, I'm not sure if you've ever saw, uh, have you ever heard of the documentary Wiener? I've heard of it because of its uh, eye-catching title, but I haven't seen it. So it is about um, Anthony Wiener, who was a New York uh, Senate um, congressman, Mm-hmm. And uh, he, lo- he he steps down because of a scandal. He accidentally and ironically, given his name, uh, tweeted out a photo of his junk, but covered my understanding. It was covered like he was wearing his underwear, but it was like a close up of his junk. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, your last name's Wiener that you shared a picture of your Wiener. He thought he was direct messaging it to someone, but he actually like just tweeted it out. Good job. So Yeah. So he, he steps down. And he hires a documentary film crew years later to document his comeback because now he's going to run for mayor of New York City. And this is not a spoiler, but while filming the documentary about his comeback, another scandal involving him and women breaks out. Mm -hmm. So this documentary crew that was hired by him to show how great he is backfires and they instead capture the fall of Anthony Weiner, like the complete and utter end. Um. And so I think those two movies really encapsulate what this film is going for. <clears throat> um, as this is filmed in a mockumentary style, kind of, uh, there are three aspect ratios in this uh, movie. One is uh, when we're seeing like old televised versions of the, the ceremony, the sermons and things of that nature. We're seeing um, Lee Curtis preaching. We're seeing the church and it looks like an old school TV, which doesn't really make sense given when this is supposed to be happening. Like it should still be in HD. Like it shouldn't really be in like a old TV. You know, it does okay. throw back. Camcorder, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it throws back to the old days, but like when we see the equipment, it's all modern stuff. So it doesn't make sense that it looks old, but fine, whatever. Um, 
the second one is a uh, full HD camcorder, like documentary camera where the there's black bars on the left and right, but it is like the 1080p. And then we go uh, anamorphic for any time we're with the characters that isn't documentary film. So we're in like the movie where the, um, you know, uh, omnipresent audience watching over these characters for the most part. I think that works pretty well. <clears throat> there's a few moments where it, the decision for which ratio we're in is kind of unclear. Like, why is this not being filmed by the documentary crew? Or like, we know the documentary crew is there, but we've cut into the anamorphic thing. So I think there's some, maybe a little too liberal use of that, but I, I do get its point and why they're, why they utilize that. Um, it helps, you know, tell the visual story of which, which mode are we in? Are we in the documentary? Are we in where we get to see them as their true selves, basically where they don't have to put on a show for anybody. Mm -hmm. But, um, overall, I thought the movie was, was good. Um, I don't think it's great. I don't think it's exceptional. Uh, I would say like middle of the road, just leaning a little more positive because I do think it, it, it doesn't shine any new light on this, this mega church or the um, maybe the hypocrisy built into it. Uh, it does get some genuinely funny moments in it and some sad moments, maybe like shocking to the point where you're like, oof, that's, that's kind of brutal. Um, there's some uncomfortable moments in this film that I think uh, showcase, you know, again, a lot of the, the problems and a lot of it is coming from um, those other movies that I referenced, like where I, I know what this movie is uh, skewering because this is a satire. And uh, I don't think it's an exceptionally well-made satire. I don't think it's a bad satire. I think it's, you know, it, it says what it's saying, uh, you know, pretty on the nose, but I think it, it makes some valid points. And I, I, I found it, easy to watch, especially because of Regina Hall and Sterling K. Brown. I think they're terrific. Um, they have some really powerful moments in the film. And uh, overall, I, you know, I, I wasn't mad that I watched it. Um, yeah, this is clearly a satirical comedy drama, um, which I think leans more into the satire for me than the comedy. I didn't find the comedy to be overly successful in the film in terms of when they tried to set it up, for comedy uh but in true mockumentary fly on the wall style a lot of the awkwardness came from you know when these guys sort of intimate moments and i don't mean sexual but intimate a, mo- a moment where the where uh, lee curtis steps in gum on the floor and he starts cursing because he's wearing these the most expensive shoes he he has and of course the humor from that is more to the point that well obviously he's a man of god using curse words but you know the people who are watching this documentary, documentary are the ones who bought him those shoes, essentially. Um, so a, a lot of the awkward moments, I think, are captured well, and I think that's testament to the two performances. I think um, Regina Hall is very, very good in this film, as is Sterling K. Brown. I think they both capture what they're intended to do so so well. Uh, Regina Hall, she uh, has to put up this front of of strength, of of loyalty to a husband who's going through a scandal which involves other women but behind that is you know there's the frailty there's the vulnerability which i think uh regina hall shows so very well as the film goes on and sterling k brown though i think he's also excellent as this as the pastor who you know he is clear he he is a man who loves the adulation he is a man who's using the name of god in order to to bolster his bank account there is no airs or graces to that 
you know, that yes, they, they, they put on the sermons and they're passionate about delivering the word because they know it's going to make them lots of money and they can buy expensive hats and shoes from it. But he's also really good as the, as this very cocksure, very dismissive, um, man who seemingly just doesn't seem to care about his wife's feelings or needs. And that is more apparent as the film goes on, especially as you say, when we change to a more traditional style of filmmaking in the bedroom. Um, but I think he's great, especially when he's challenged later on in the film, when he is challenged and he's still trying to stand up for his beliefs or what he is trying to put across, even in the face of such anger and adversity. I think both of them are excellent in this film. That wasn't something I was uh, expecting going in. I thought it was going to be more of a, a, uh, a comedic story where the performances maybe take uh, second stage to the story, but I don't think this, I don't think the story is as cutting as it thinks it is or as satirical as I think it is. I think something like the eyes of Tammy Faye whilst a lot longer, I think it gets to the heart of its problem. It gets to the crux better in a better way. And it's, sheds more of a light on what they're trying to i mean it's obvious what this film is telling you you know mega churches and the people behind it are they really the ones you want to be following and the uh the scandals that come along with so many of these and yeah we, I, we, I get that i got that but i just don't think it felt i just don't think it was as you know deep as it thought it was going to be you know, it tries to be, like you say, there are moments where the film goes deeper, but I find that more on a personal level with the, what the characters are going through rather than sheer disgust at what, you know, how, how they're fleecing their uh, congregation of money because that is, that is what they're doing. And I've got to say though, JP, when I heard the term mega church, I'm going to, I'm going to say it and I'm going to own up. I thought that is the most American thing I've ever heard. And I've got to <laughs> tell, confront John about this. But then I did some research and found out that the first ever mega church was formed in London, England. So I had to very ah. quickly eat humble pie before I could say it. However, of course, it was uh, it, 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 they grew in the United States and then Australia, Africa as well. Uh, and now they're these kind of stadium-sized events, which are um, amazing and also terrifying at the same time. But um, So I think, yeah, the film does well. It excels in its performances. I think the characters capture every nuance that they're expected to. Uh, the the actual shifting of formats i wasn't as keen on you know when they were in when we're in the bedroom and we're finding out about what they're like behind closed doors uh, for me it kind of it removed uh, a lot of the punch from the film because had it just been that documentary mockumentary feel i think it would have been a lot more successful i didn't need to know what was going on behind the closed doors where they couldn't have just told me but um i didn't dislike this film though john i think i'm exactly with you on this one Sometimes we are, sometimes we're not. But I think I'm exactly with you on this, and that it's it's totally fine. I am leaning more into the positive because I wasn't bored. I, I was enjoying this, and actually, as it went on, and you know, things started to boil up a little bit more. You know, I was really, I was really into this. I was watching it on Peacock, watching at home, and I was really into this. But um, I just wanted a little bit more satire from this satirical comedy drama. But yeah, didn't dislike it. But I want to know from you, John. Obviously, you said it, this film has got a 23% audience score, whether it's being review bombed by those who have seen it and who are, uh, you know, who take something from the message or those who attend or, or those of a particular faith. Maybe they don't agree with the film and are going to give it a lower score or maybe the audience just doesn't like it. But your wife, your wife went to see it. what was what was her kind of major bugbears with the film? If you don't mind me asking. I, I, I think it was the... I think it was a lot of it. The um, 
you know, the hypocrisy that's depicted, um, I think maybe the implications of, uh, I don't think she likes the idea that someone in the position like that could be a liar. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it upsets her. Um, and again, it's, we live in a place where like, there's a lot of mega churches in general. Mm -hmm. Um, even some that maybe wouldn't qualify as a mega church because they're very localized, but they're still like big congregations, you know, giant churches, like hundreds of people, not, not like 50 people, you know, in a small church that it was like hundreds of people. Now it's on the internet, like, especially after COVID, almost every church has an online thing. Um, so that expands their congregation. And I think there is maybe a, a fear or like a, a hesitation like what if you're being duped by somebody like what if your church is one of these churches that is like offering salvation at a price mm-hmm. kind of thing um and you know we have the big tv ones like there's joel osteen um i'm gonna forget several of them right now but uh who have had these accusations levied at them in the past you know and uh i, I actually forget the name of the the pastor from eyes of tammy faye that andrew garfield plays but like oh, you know yeah i can't remember very similar story, which was 30 years ago, you know, if, if I remember or 40 years ago when the actual story was taking place. So it's, it's been a thing, you know, televangelism has always been this kind of like shady, like send us your money. We'll, we'll save your soul. Like it, it's concerning. Um, so I think stuff like that just bugs her. And I, I think, you know, the, the catch is with all of, with all of these types of things is the, person who is giving you the information is you know if they're sitting here saying i have all the money but god wants me to have all the money so we have mm-hmm. to embrace it it becomes this like struggle like who do you do can you trust them or not you know and and it's unsettling i think for a lot of people um you know you want to you want to believe the people who are in these positions are are noble and are doing it for the right reasons and when it when it's put that maybe they're not it might make you question uh a lot of stuff so i think that's partly what we're seeing it also i I do think some people maybe went into this thinking it was going to be more of a straight-up comedy Mm -hmm. and it's not a straight-up comedy like you said it's 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 a a comedy in the sense that it's a satire and it's poking fun at some things um some of the like and they're they're charming in their personalities there's there's moments of like natural humor when he's like showing off all his clothes and he's like I don't remember this Prada, you know, he's got like this insane yeah. closet. Like it's hard not to laugh at his presentation because he, he seems, you know, uh, uh, oblivious how he's coming across. Like you, you realize that you seem horrible. You don't like, mm-hmm. especially in the scenes where like he's talking to the guy. It's not really a spoiler, but he's talking to a, a former member of the congregation. Guys tell him how much he meant to him. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. The dude's like, he he makes he's you know picking up garbage because he's out he's on uh assuming doing community service for a jail sentence and here this guy is with all these suits and all these clothes and again it's like it's a good example of like your congregation has nothing and you have all of this yeah and the only reason why you want to get it back is not so that you can help people Mm -hmm. it's so that you can keep living this lifestyle yeah and that's that's hard to like grapple with i think yeah i think so and another one of the the one of the good for me i don't know if anyone else will agree but one of the kind of 
good takeaways or clever takeaways I got from this film was you have the the Sumter couple uh Shakura and Keon Sumter who are who are the young up and coming you know cool mm-hmm. hip and sexy uh pastors in town and you know they seem very very you know they seem very devoted to their belief they don't seem uh to be overly fake but at the end of the day they are the same as uh the 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 child's trinity and lee curtis they're just it's just a new version and i quite mm-hmm. like that that doesn't matter how you try to put yourself across they are still you know four peas in a pod and the film whilst it doesn't hammer that home for me the way i interpreted it was it was just a very clever way of saying you know the cycle remains unbroken just because these two are finished we're gonna have or, or, or going through a scandal sorry there's still, here's the new kids on the block who will you know who who may end up falling to the victim to the same problems but they're still there to take your money with uh beaming uh with their beaming white teeth and praise for the lord which we're not entirely sure how genuine it is but um we're not doing a spoiler episode this week guys because um there isn't an awful lot to spoil in said film given its format of mockumentary that said we're not necessarily going to say what happens at the ending but i do want to ask john what would you do think how do you think about the way this film ended with the um because there's a moment in this where the childs and the sumters meet up to discuss uh, something regarding their easter sunday plans and then at the end there is the kind of ambiguity of you know was a decision made by one of the couples done for the right reasons or was it done out of potential spite i would mm-hmm. and then of course the fallout with uh trinity and lee curtis how do you feel that uh, was played out before we uh, wrap up i mean i liked it um i thought i have my interpretation of it um i do think it was intentional i don't think it was a coincidence yeah, um, same here yeah um but they're really good at selling their uh their humbleness and like their kindness you know what i'm saying like the the married couple the somethingers or whatever um and i thought i thought the end uh was very reminiscent of wiener as well um there's a moment in wiener that i feel like re- like early on when child says uh that he hired this film crew to like get his comeback i'm like oh wow this is wiener this is what wiener did and then the end there's a part where uh the director of the documentary speaks and we had not heard her for most of it. Um, and that is very reminiscent of Wiener as well. So I, I thought a lot of it just played out exactly how I kind of think it should have played out. But yeah, uh, I think it works. Uh, yeah, no, I'm the same. I think the decision that was taken was highly intentional, uh, but covered up in, as we mentioned, masked with the, the smiles and, and faux humbleness and yeah no i think the film ended in the way it needed to end uh, i think any other way ending could possibly have been disingenuous for the couple for them individually and also just given what the mockumentary was about in the first place but uh yeah no i i enjoyed this for the most part jb it's not gonna um it's not gonna threaten my top 10 or 20 list of the year but you know i, I enjoyed it whilst it was on yeah same uh, so that's that's our review of Honk for Jesus, period, Save Your Soul. Very rare <laughs> to have a movie title that has a period in the middle of it. Yeah, but, right. um, you know, that's the that's the movie. Um, hey. uh, let's move on to Chopped Headlines. These are uh, pop culture or movie news that caught our attention. Matt, what is your headline for the week? 
Uh, I have uh, eschewed the obvious headline because I spoke about the Don't Worry Darling drama last week and it seems that, you know, Spitgate seems to have been cleared up and it turns out Harry probably didn't spit on Chris Pine, even though it looks an awful lot like he might have done. At the end of the day, you know, I'm, 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 I will see the film in 10 days' time and that's all I really care about at the minute is, is the film any good? All the hoopla surrounding it. It's whilst it's you know interesting in a microcosm, I don't really care to be honest. I just want to see hopefully a good film. But uh, my story then, JB, it comes from Entertainment Weekly uh, by Devon Coggan, and also via social media, everybody's favourite social media, Twitter. Ah. And the headline is: The original Lord of the Rings Hobbits show support for the Rings of Power cast after racist attacks. Subheading: Frodo, Sam, Merry, and Pippin know how to feed defeats cave trolls and internet trolls which uh i thought that was quite clever um any you know you know you know john it's getting quite boring now i'm talking about not really caring about the hoopla surrounding don't worry darling for me that is kind of driven from a place of ego for most of it this headline is just driven from a place of despair really that whether it's a marvel property a dc property a star wars property or now a middle earth property every new release is met by these halfwits who mm. cannot fathom the idea that outside of their walls there are things that aren't white they're people or uh, or race or, or races that aren't white and they don't like that because it's it's woke and it's it's a gender pushing and all these other oh, crappy buzzwords which um these people don't realize the irony of what they're saying and how they're saying it but uh, ever since the rings of power debuted on amazon prime video uh, within the last week or so, of course, the now sadly inevitable uh, barrage of racist abuse has come and backlash uh, fans who aren't happy with the diverse casting about um, fantasy elves, trolls, wizards set in a place that doesn't exist and magical rings. Um, but now uh, in a wonderful turn of events, Elijah Wood, Sean Astin, Billy Boyd, Dominic Monaghan, the original Hobbits from the three films, first three films at least, the classic trilogy, uh, have shared photos on social media to stand up for diversity, middle earth, and uh, Elijah Wood, uh, Billy Boy, and Dominic Monaghan, they were there in person and they wore uh, T-shirts with uh, human hobbits and elfies and a variety of skin tones with the phrase, you are all welcome here in Elvish. And Sean Astin, he had a baseball hat with the same message on uh, and I thought this was a wonderful show of solidarity. I really hate having to even bring it up, but uh, you know, you you can't let these these idiots, small-minded bigots and idiots and racists win. And I'm so glad people yeah. who have these platforms come out and say, you know, screw those guys. You know, you guys, you know, you guys are all welcome here. Why? Because this is how it is. This is the world we live in, and it's great because of it. As for the loud minority, screw them. Uh, and yeah. uh, and there's obviously other other properties and franchises and people well, of power have come out and said similar things, but it, it, it all stems from this small-minded um, brigade against diversity. And look, if you don't like the show, fine. You know, it's the same as people who don't like the Last Jedi or who don't like She-Hulk or something. If you don't like it because you just don't. It's not vibing with you. Then that's a different story. This isn't about that. It's about the people who don't like the fact that there are are black elves and black dwarfs in a made-up uh fictional 
story. So, uh, yeah, I'm so glad that they came out and did this, JB. I'm glad there was this show of solidarity. Uh, obviously, yeah. the story isn't necessarily rings of power more so than actual social issue, but I can only assume you thought this is a good thing. Definitely. Um, this, the thing that I don't think is a good thing is that you could have probably picked four or five other properties right now to have mm-hmm. the similar headline, right? Like you mentioned yeah. She-Hulk just now. She-Hulk, because of something very fun and silly at the end of episode Sick. three, has had a huge backlash. And a lot of it is just insane to hear how many people are so angry. And again, I want to echo what you said. Like everything isn't for everybody, but everybody deserves to have something. And if it's not for you, walk away from it and let it be, you know, you don't have to like it. You still have all those other things. So like white people, there's plenty of movies and shows about white people. And let's narrow that down a little bit. There are plenty of movies and shows about white men. It's okay that other people get representation in other ways. And if you don't like it, that's fine. It says something, but that's fine. Don't watch it. But you do not have to berate people. You especially should not attack people, whether verbally or on the internet, because of it. What happened to, we've seen it happen too many times. Ro- um, I'm going to forget uh, Kelly Tran, right? Is Rose? Kelly Marie Tran, yep. Uh, she, she got attacked so hard on social media, she left social media. Ridley and Daisy Ridley did the same thing, I believe. Um, yes. You know, we've uh, we've seen this happening time and time again. Miss Marvel got attacked about it. It's not woke to acknowledge that other things exist. And the fact that you can oh, say man. that they don't deserve representation is exactly why they deserve representation, because people are trying to stop it from existing. It's maddening to think for me. I, I love being able to watch movies with other cultures and other positions yes. because I don't know what it's like to be those things without cinema. Cinema TV allows us to travel through different experiences that we would never get to have otherwise. That's one of the things I love about it. So it's it's absurd that this that people are being harassed and attacked. I really hope this stops. Um and I love seeing things like this. So I love seeing the the people involved with the project stepping up um again Aaron Moriarty who's on the boys she's been out no, about I, her harassment um by similar people because of her character her character on a show like this has to stop man it's so ridiculous yeah i, I just <laughs> struggle to think that the people who write this i don't i'm surprised they can write and read and fathom what it is they're saying um but i think the uh, the agenda that they think is being pushed Hey, maybe it's because for the last umpteen years of Hollywood or any art artistry, maybe there, maybe it's because there hasn't been the diversity, and studios are now waking up to the fact that they've, you know, that they've that they've screwed. I swore then they screwed up. So now, you know, they are putting things right, which they should have done decades ago. And for some people who are so used to seeing, you know, white leads everywhere, uh, or women in positions of subservience to men in these films. They don't like it, and it says more about them than it ever will do about the studios, the casts, uh, or any anyone involved in these productions. So it's very sad, and and like you say, maddening that in 2022 we seem to be talking about this more and more and more when so much good is being done about it. But one day we can only hope that it, you know, the the fires die out, and maybe some of the people do as well, 
and we can just live in a world where here yeah, you look outside of the window and this is the world we live in it is reflected on television in cinema in music and whatever else get with it yeah because it's not yeah. going to change so uh sorry for going on a bit there guys but it you know it, 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 social media can be the best and it can be the absolute worst and in times like this it is the absolute best and worst uh great to see the cast coming out but it's just sad that they have to do it in the first place but john hopefully you've got something that's a little bit more positive yeah i think so um last week we talked about three dollar movie day uh which i participated i went uh, my wife and I went and saw Jaws in IMAX uh, at the biggest IMAX screen in the state. Um, for uh, Actually, we didn't even have to pay because I had a free ticket. You son um, of a gun. I know. It's kind of lame. I kind of wanted to pay because it was $3. <laughs> uh, but Still. But nevertheless, um, it looks like a lot of people went out to the theaters. Uh, according to this article from CNBC, um, the movie theaters pulled in $24 million in ticket sales. Wow. And it was a 9% increase from the previous week and uh, has 8.1 million customers came out apparently to the participating theaters. They don't cite where they got the number. It says national association of theater owners, but you know, I don't know how accurate that, that seems kind of like Netflix saying their shows are getting a lot of streams. It's like, well, yeah, but you're the one saying that it doesn't really you're the ones yeah, governing these yeah, numbers prove it. But you know, if if the goal was to get people in seats uh, and back to the theaters, it seems to have been successful. So maybe we're going to see more of this. Um, I know that uh, Regal sent out an email today that they're um, they're doing a. I don't have access to whatever weird screen it was, but they're doing some special screening of Maverick, uh, and there's no upcharge for the the theater experience. Nice. It's not IMAX; it's some other thing. So 40X, maybe theaters are going to start doing this type of thing to get people out. So. You've got to, I don't, unless I'm being like willfully naive, obviously three a $3 movie ticket day brings in $24 million. I'm guessing in my head, if you think, well, if a ticket's usually $10, you can treble that, and there would have been, you know, $8, 70 $80 million bought in, if not more, depending on the tickets. That's a hell of an achievement. And look, I know what fuels the rise in ticket prices, I understand, but I would love this to be a little wake-up call for the cinema chains to think, yeah, maybe yeah. it's not the lack of films as to why people aren't coming. Maybe it's because they got to pay quite a lot just to get in and watch it. And for us film lovers will do that, but there will always be those who will be more hesitant because there's the uh, the question of, what happens if I don't like this film? I mean, it's the same as if you go to a sporting event. What if I drop 40 bucks on the NHL game around the corner and my team loses? Is that worth it in the end? Yeah, it might be if you get a good game. Same as the theatre tickets. People, if you're, if you're dropping £15 pounds or 15 bucks on a film which you're – you're going to see because, you know, you, you're kind of half interest and it ends up being awful. Is that a waste of money compared to whether if you'd spent five bucks, you know, maybe more people would be willing to try these films out. I don't know. It seems to me that lowering the prices, funnily enough, has brought more people in, which can only be a good thing. I'd love, like you say, John, if it doesn't become the norm, uh, I would love there to be more days like this, even if it's not, you know, National Cinema Day. They just bring it down yeah. to like, let's have a five bucks day or something, or even if it's just for standard screenings of films, not, not, not <clears throat> IMAX or 3D. I think there's, there are ways to get more people into the theater without necessarily dropping prices permanently. And this shows it, yeah. man. Yeah. And, um, actually Regal here, I don't know if it's all Regals, but our Regal on Tuesdays has $5 movie nights, but it's a Tuesday. It's not always a good night for people to go to the movies. So mm -hmm. that's like, Maybe maybe make that like Sunday afternoon, you know, like one to yeah, five. Matinee prices used to be a bigger discount than they are now. Like, you know, 
um, things like that would be huge. And again, it's cost to, you know, don't lower the popcorn, keep the popcorn expensive, you know, fine. Most of us will still buy the popcorn, but if, if it's cheaper to get in, we're more likely to buy the popcorn. You know, yeah, you've got more money in your pocket to do so. Um, and uh, back in Essex in the UK here, there is an independent chain which charges four pounds for every screening for every film. And they've been going since the dawn of time, I think. And you, I, I, you know, the correlation there, you know, cheaper, cheaper seats gets more people in and you're not losing an awful lot in terms of quality. The screens are always clean and the sound is good. So it's not like you're going to watch it in a shed with, you know, on a, on an old projector. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's still very decent. I used to go there when I was back that way more often just because before I had my unlimited card because, you know, four pounds and I would pay maybe yeah. the same for a large popcorn and a drink. And for so for under a tenner, you know, I get a good experience. Now it's uh, very similar, but I don't pay for the films. But uh, yeah, we, well, we, we used also to have, have reduced prices certain days, but I'd like to see a bit more of it. We used to have a couple of dollar theaters. All of those are gone now. We do have a drive-in theater in our county um, where it's like two movies for like one fee, but it's per person. It used to be per carload. Now it's per person. Mm. It's still substantially cheaper than it used to be. Or not than it used to be. It's still cheaper than going to the regular theater, but you have other issues. We live in Florida. It's hot. So do you run the car the whole time and then waste all your gas? Uh, You kind of have to because you have to through the battery. Like it's a whole thing. So there's not like the cheap alternatives. And I think it, if theaters, maybe, maybe we should lower prices just a little bit um, so that people can actually come back. Cause clearly people want to come back. <clears throat> yeah. Jared Leto himself said something akin to that uh, this week that um, if people go to the theaters then the theaters will make more money. And it's a bit like Harry Styles saying, you know, I think it's, I think it's, I, I like, it's a great movie because it feels like, like a, a movie, movie, a film, a theater movie, cinema yeah. that you see as a movie. With, uh, within minutes of that, somebody took the uh, AMC Nicole Kidman like images and no. put captions of that underneath it. So it's like <laughs> her saying it. And it, I was like, man, the internet works so fast. Um, see, the best of times and the worst of times, social media. But um, good story, though, my friend. Hopefully we can see more cheaper days out at the cinema. Yep. Let's move on to media consumption. These are movie, TV, video games, music, podcasts, maybe a book that we've been consuming since the last time we spoke. Matt, uh, what have you been watching and or listening to? Uh, well, when I when I'm finished on the show tonight, I'm going to be watching Obi Wan Kenobi: A Jedi's Return. The I think it's feature length documentary about the making of Obi Wan, just so I can see Ewan and Hayden back together again, and Liam Neeson on set. Looking forward to watching that. So by the time this episode goes out, I will have watched that. So I'm adding it to the list. Um, I've watched two films this week. I wanted to watch Bodies, 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 but for the third week running, I just haven't been able to do it. You know, from by you know circumstance comes up and it takes my time. Uh, so I will watch it by next week. I watched Three Thousand Years of Longing, the new George Miller film with Tilda Swinton, Idris Elba. I believe you thought that was okay, didn't you? I did, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I think it ends kind of weak. Uh, yeah, I th- Jesus, yeah. The character turn in that third act is one of the most mind-boggling things I've ever seen in any film. Like, hold on, Re- really? But um, no, I wasn't a fan of this film. Again, I-, I think part of it looked really nice. I think the premise is there. The best part of the film was when Idris Elba, who needs to get a new agent, is grim. Is talking about you know, is flashing back. And it's the moments which don't really have a huge impact on the hotel room shenanigans between him and Tilda. 
but you know seeing you know his existence uh past they were good um but the flourishes weren't anywhere near what i expected from george miller of given this is his first film since fury road uh might have heard of it guys but no i, I sadly this film and it felt like it, and I, i'm not going to make the joke i've already done that but it felt very long there were so many kind of fade to black and i thought oh, this is it and then another scene fade to black it felt it was only about an hour and 40 but without meaning to crap too much it felt like a two and a half three hour long film uh which i i wasn't overly keen on uh so the next night i went to watch fall f-a-l-l the uh survival thriller film made for about 1.8 million dollars by uh lion's gates about the two climbers two rock climbers who uh live through a traumatic incident featuring a uh, with a close friend who uh doesn't make it and it's in the film's prologue and then to get over it to one of the girls who is an awful pushy selfish influencer type decide it forces the friend who's going through the guilt to climb up a 2000 foot tower um with you know a tiny rail at the top of which to stand on and you know doesn't end well in terms of what by the time they get up there and again i thought this didn't really <laughs> think the film was very good and i even went in expecting kind of b-movie um silliness you know like like the, the disaster films you don't go in expecting nuance with all respect you go in to be entertained and to uh and to go along for the ride and there were moments though in fall i, I will admit and i have said in my review where you know there were some sweaty palmed moments you know they're up on a 2000 foot tower and the visuals of this film are captured very well actually the visuals and the cinematography are very good in this film the lead performances however aren't very good in this film and the two characters my god are unappealing than unlikable one especially and john i'm not what well, i shouldn't be sitting there thinking i really want you both just to fall off and get this done with oh, and, man. and not even me being an awful person uh, but judging by some of the reviews i've read since i've put mine out i don't think i'm cert- certainly not the only one who thinks that but the film has got a very decent i think 72 percent on rt not the be all and end all but i did expect it to be about half of that so you know a, a small film making decent cash back I, you know, I'm all for that. So the positive is yeah. that for for 1.8 million, this film's already made its money back. And you know, if if we get more smaller budget films like this, which have more of an impact, hopefully, then that's only a good thing. But uh, sadly, it didn't do it for me. So I'm on a bit of a losing streak at the minute. I can't wait to watch the next film, which is hopefully going to be an absolute belter. Maybe next week's film on the bank will be the winner. But um, I also did something extremely unlike me and watched the streaming series, John. I watched the first two episodes of The Rings of Power. Some of it was drawn... Obviously, I love the Lord of the Rings films. I've made that clear many times. And I like the world of Tolkien. Um, uh, Some of it was drawn from intrigue because I wasn't actually immediately sold by any of the trailers, really. Some of it was drawn from the crap online um because i wanted to watch it and, th- and think no this is actually really good and everyone's wrong um and also yeah some of it most most of it though was drawn from my love of the franchise and i really enjoyed episodes one and two i think they're really strong uh opening um chapters of this series uh, a few a few issues aside uh, for i think certain certain scenes in this or moments with uh certainly the halfoots feel a bit like a kind of a bbc original series or even like a, a kids series the way the way it's shot like the way i don't know like the some of the costume design and the even like the composition of uh the performers on screen didn't it felt a bit staged like stage show like theater and i you know, that didn't that that didn't grab me it didn't feel as theatrical 
Uh, but for the most part, the rest of it, I really enjoy. I think the performances are really good. Morfred Clark, who was so, so good in St. Maud, is really good as Galadriel. Uh, Israel Cruz Cordova, Ismail Cruz Cordova is very good as well. Enjoying it so far, John. I hope that the uh, subsequent episodes are as good. But, you know, one way to at least shut people up or ignore or, deter, or put the walls up on these bigots is to have a really good show and for those who are watching it with a critical eye i think the majority are enjoying it john so uh, that's what hmm. i've been checking out what about you sir <clears throat> excuse me um well i listened to the new episode of blank check podcast which was covering uh, stanley kubrick's film lolita a movie yep. that Corey and i did on movie club years ago because we actually did a whole kubrick month a few years ago um a good episode, uh, a very difficult movie to talk about because it's it's bad at points. It's weird <laughs> at many points. And obviously the subject matter is inherently odd, um, especially given the uh, the censorship board of the time wouldn't let it be what it was supposed to be. Um, so real tough, but good episode. Um, I listened to an uh, audiobook of Women Talking, which is going to be a feature film coming out in December. Um, yes. Really great book or at least audiobook. Um I can't wait for the movie. Uh it's it actually pairs really well with Honk for Jesus. Um just as a like people in power uh contr- gatekeeping in a lot of ways and gaslighting in other ways. Um and the the horrors that can happen in those situations. Um based on a true story. So very tough book but very very well written. Um, can't wait to see Ben Wisha uh, as August. I think he's going to be perfect uh, casting. <coughs> Excuse me. You're uh, getting through it, week, John. You're doing it oh, so well. You're surviving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am trying. Um, next week, we're going to be talking about this movie, so I won't say much. But I have watched Pinocchio. Robert Zemeckis's very quiet. By the way, they're not they're not advertising it as Robert Zemeckis's Pinocchio. They're not. And that's that. Maybe is a sign. Maybe not. Um. But we'll hmm. talk about that next week. Um, I have seen Confess Fletch, the uh, John Hamm. Re- it's not really a reboot. It's kind of like a continuation. Um, but can't say anything about it yet until uh, next week. So look for my review uh, on BurkeReviews.com. Um, I saw Jaws in IMAX. It's fantastic seeing it in IMAX. I, I love that movie. Um, I actually did notice things that as many times as I've seen it, I noticed things that I'm like, did they add this? I don't remember. Like it's all early stuff and it's inconsequential stuff, but I'm like, yeah, I don't remember seeing him drive this long. Like, I don't remember it being that in the original movie. Have I just bl- blanked it out or did they add stuff for the uh, IMAX? But, um, watching Quint give his monologue on that screen was oh. well worth the trip. It's probably why I'm sick, but nevertheless, um, <laughs> or because of how good the monologue was or because of the trip. Yes. The monologue was so good, I instantly got COVID. Um, I don't know <laughs> if I have COVID or not, listeners. I, I probably do, realistically. That seems to be the only illness left. Um, God damn it. I'm working my way through Hitchcock, uh, his the movies that are lesser known. So I caught The Lady Vanishes. Very, very good movie. I like this movie a whole lot. Yes. It is on HBO Max. Highly recommend. Um, I also have it. I bought the Criterion uh, Blu-ray for that one. Um, and then... I, I got on a Kelly Reichert kick. I, I realized I hadn't seen any of her movies except for uh, First Cow from uh, 2020 or 2019. I didn't see it till 2020, but it's officially a 2019 movie. <laughs> um, so I've just been watching all of her movies. They're on like various streaming services, so I haven't had to pay for anything. 
But I've watched Old Joy, Night Moves, River of Grass, Meeks Cutoff, and Wendy and Lucy. I have one uh, one movie left that's available, which is um, Certain Women. And then she has a movie out this year, but it's not out yet. They debuted at Cannes, and now we're just kind of waiting for it to drop sometime this year. Um, but uh, I like her movies. They are very um, quiet and contemplative. Um, I was so shocked to watch Meek's cutoff and find that she put in a four, three aspect ratio because she has the vistas, the wide vistas that you expect with the Western, but then cuts them off. So you can't see them in the, the full screen. And it was a really interesting choice. I'd like to like, I haven't taken the time to read any articles or not yet, but I'm curious what, like what her rationale was for doing that. Uh, I've seen Wendy and Lucy, believe it or not, a long time ago, and it's the one of Michelle Williams, I think it is anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought that was good. I like that one. I haven't yeah. seen First Cow, though. I never actually ever got around to watching that, despite really wanting to. It's good. I, I, I've liked all of her movies. Night Moves is the least like her. And uh, shout out to Griffin Newman from Blank Check, because he shows up at the end of the movie and as like a nice. kind of innocuous role. But I'm watching the movie. I'm like, is that Griffin? And it sure was. I was like, oh, cool. Um, I mean, he's an actor, so it's not surprising to see him and stuff. But, like, I didn't know oh, when cool I was guy. watching it that he was going to be in it. I was just like, oh. Um, and it's like, it's an older, it's 2010 or 2013, I think. So it's, I was like, oh, snap, there he is. Um, but then, because I've been sick and I've been home, um, I've also been watching some TV, which I don't usually do. But uh, oh, I've done. watched both episode three and four of She-Hulk. Um, mm-hmm. I'm enjoying the series. I think it's funny and silly, and I like it. I haven't seen episode <laughs> four yet. You saw episode three, and last week I alluded to the post credit scene, which you've now seen and mentioned, but I haven't yes. seen episode four yet. I haven't been in a rush to watch it. Again, not because I, I hate the series, because it's woke, because it's not. Um, I just, as I've just mentioned, I haven't got, I've watched Rings of Power, and I just haven't been able to watch anything else. So I will catch up on episode four by next week, sir. Um, I watched the finale for what we do in the shadows season four. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the best shows on TV. I, I can't stress enough. Uh, everybody needs to watch it. It's so good. I, I absolutely love the show. I'm looking forward to season five. Um, I think season four ends real strong in a lot of ways. Um, and it's been, it's become Matt Berry appreciation week. He keeps popping up on stuff and I love <laughs> yeah. it because I love Matt Berry so much. Um, the, the system of a down TikTok where he's screaming father from it crowd is one of my favorite things. <laughs> Just, I saw somebody posted on socials, a, it was from BBC news, British news broadcaster. And it was a news reader who was out, uh, somewhere in London and she delivered a bit of news, but somebody, you know, the captain was, you know, why is she, why is she announcing this in the voice of Matt Berry? So I listened to it and I was like, she, she is kind of caught off guard by something and ends up sounding like Matt Berry. So it's odd that you say the appreciation week is there because I have yeah. also seen a few Matt, odd Matt Berry posts. And I saw um, it was the uh, shot from uh, Avengers Infinity War where you see Thanos and then it cuts to Captain America holding Molnir. But it's Matt Berry from IT Crowd pointing at him in the white suit, and like he's holding Molnir. I died. I'm like, why is this happening? I love this. This is so great. I don't know if people are just finally becoming aware of Matt Berry, but he is so funny, um, and he's time. great on what we do in the shadow. About time. <laughs> but and then um, Big Tuna, who's at TIFF right now. Shout out to Big Tuna having a blast in Toronto. Yes. Um, He's been pushing me for the, the whole week to start a show on Apple TV Plus called Central Park. 
It is an animated musical TV show. Um, runs about the normal 22 minute length. Uh, it's the same people who do Bob's Burgers, but it's got a lot of Hamilton alumni. So David Diggs is in it. Um, Lamar Odom is in it. Um, uh, other people, uh, Kristen Bell, uh, Catherine Hahn, not a Hamilton alumni, but they're regulars in it. Titus Burgess, uh, Stanley oh, Tucci. Stanley nice. Tucci is in it. It's tremendous. I watched all of season one, which is 10 episodes. I think season three just came out. I'm planning on hitting season two here soon. It's it's so fun. Um, it's set in New York, and it's very real New York. Like, it's animated, but, like, they're referencing things that I've, I've been to when I was at Tribeca. So I'm like, oh, okay, all right. So I'm having a blast. Uh, loving hearing David rap. Um, uh, and Rafael Casal is involved in, I think, the songwriting. So nice. a lot of a lot of people I, I really adore making the show. It's great. I, I like Bob's Burgers. I like this more. No offense to Bob's Burgers, but this is more my cup of tea. I um, haven't heard of it, so I can't say uh, whether or not I'll watch it because I don't know if it's available over here yet. It's if you have Apple TV Plus over there, it's there. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but that's the problem is that I don't think a lot of people have Apple TV Plus because they only have original content, right? Like you don't get mm-hmm. other stuff. Um, like HBO Max, you get their original content, but then you have this catalog of movies. Yes. Uh, Netflix, same. Apple TV doesn't do that, and I think that's what's hurting them as a streaming service. To be fair, though, they are cheaper than almost all the other streaming services. I think they're only five bucks a month. <coughs> and they're they're more willing to give uh samples away yes yes i think it's more press i think we mentioned it before it feels a bit more prestige at times because of that um yeah again of course it all comes down to the content they've got and if, it, if it's no good then you can be you could be as prestige or off what you want you've obviously got to back that up but yeah we have apple tv plus over here my friend so even, which i know because um, sounds good uh, yes yes I, yeah. I actually got it because of ted lasso and your um your your recommendation for that series my friend but yeah um, so Listeners, if you watch Ted Lasso when season three drops, make sure you cram Central Park into your month subscription. So, <laughs> John has, but Burke has spoken. And um, before we finish <laughs> off on this section, John, I was meant to mention it earlier up top. Yeah. Summer movie wager. Remember, oh, no. guys, we had Big Tuna, Sean Bowman himself, who is living the good life in TIFF at the minute. He came on, you know, with the usual Floridian swagger, like John, you know, they said they were going to take down this English guy and. Uh, win, you know, knock, knock me down a few pegs or two. And over the summer, to be fair, actually, over the summer, as we watched the domestic box office gross come in, John and myself were slightly worried and ruining the fact that we put Top Gun Maverick below Jurassic World, Doctor Strange, and quite a few other films as well. But, John, can you please announce the winner of the Summer Movie Wager 2022 in terms of our group? Matt won by one point. <laughs> listen john on the, uh, listen I, I, you know i'm gonna say on on the day where the world lost her majesty queen elizabeth second uh, very sad news whether you're whether you're a fan of the rules or not it's a uh, very sad news on this on this day i am taking this victory and i'm gonna run with it i'm gonna do it for the country you're gonna give us a little bit of good news i did it guys you know john and sean they couldn't stand up to my you know my power my ferocious my ferocity with my one point victory Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone. Now, the winner gets to pick a movie for the others to watch. Now, I was going to pick, because I thought I was going to win for a second there. See? With the Brandon Fraser uh, 
renaissance happening, right? Yep. Yes. I was going to make us watch Encino Man because Jeez. that's where it all starts. The Brendonaissance. I haven't thought of the film to watch yet. I'm going to say that right now, but it's coming. It's coming. Well, be kind, Matt, because it, you know, full circle. I will. I I will, because I'm aware that, you know, success can be (laughs) fleeting and next year I could be losing by one point. So, no, no, I'm going to have a look. I'm going to have a look around my collection and maybe even pick a film that I haven't seen. More likely, Sean probably has seen it. He's seen everything almost. But, um, yeah, but on next week's show, I'm going to announce the summer movie wager film this forfeit for the other guys so got so next week tune in for the reveal what would be fun is if if you know like back in the day they used to have whenever a movie did really well they would have like the knockoff versions of it like um <laughs> yes like guardians of the galaxy there is a russian version where it's like i forget what it's called but it's like all these weird guardian type thing um transmorphers was a popular one when transformers got really big I, I if they did a like a, a knockoff top gun maverick that'd be really fun. <laughs> you, you, there's one out there somewhere. You know that whether it's sci-fi or whatever company produces like, um, Crocker shark versus mega Nado, Yes, I'm sure they've got something like that out there. Well, before we leave folks, we need to check in with each other to see how we're staying bloody awesome. Matt, how are you staying bloody awesome this week? Well, I always preach to the masses, you know, pun intended for the show film this week, but uh, I always preach for everyone to BLB, to be like, Burke doesn't matter what state he's in physically in terms of his health BLB be like Burke and my friend I have been on the PSL hype train this week the pumpkin spice latte and the pumpkin spiced cold brew or whatever it's called the thing that you get every t- every uh, fall uh, we've had it we have it over here so every morning most mornings I've been getting into work a few minutes early so I can head to Starbucks and I can I can revel in the fall slash autumn goodness, the PSL, the pumpkin spice, the cinnamon, the nutmeg, the cloves, all those beautiful smells. And and yes, I've also been buying some pastries which are adorned with said spices as well. So for me, my friend, I am a I am a creature of this season. This is this is the season I love, like a lot of people, but I'm not I'm not one for the sun. Uh, too much and over here in the uk we don't really get much of it but you know fall, fall slash autumn really has begun now it's cold it is like it is ridiculously wet it has not stopped raining for three days and i'm loving it my friend um i'm just waiting for the leaves to fall to you know orange and brown leaves to hit the ground and then we're going but the PSL hype train my friend has left the station well i i love pumpkin spice i've had a few cold brews myself um mm-hmm. just the pumpkin cream cold brew highly what have you been doing my friend this this week uh i'm sure you've been running marathons climbing trees and mountains i have been resting because i'm sick um Quite something i right. don't do often <clears throat> i probably should be doing more of but um with resting i found a new video game that i'm really into uh i have xbox game pass so we get games for free basically and there's a new disney game uh it's called disney dreamland and it's basically disney's animal crossing and i don't know if i ever talked about animal crossing on this podcast but during covid animal crossing had just came out and i bought it when we first went on lockdown and it helped me tremendously get through those first couple of months like i was i would wake up play animal crossing drink my coffee, and then I would exercise. That was my routine for like three months solid. So the last 24 hours, I've been really into this Disney Dreamland game. And it's because it's so relaxing. Like I'm just walking around, picking flowers, planting carrots, getting carrots, 
meeting Disney characters and then helping them. Cause like the story's interesting, I guess. Like I don't, it's just real chill and it's totally what I needed. And it's been really fun. And I'm like, it's one of those games where you get like costumes. Like I have, my character is a guy, but I have Elsa's dress. I'm probably going to wear it. Cause why not? Nice. It's a video game. You know, they gave it's it to a me. Nice dress. Yeah. It's a beautiful dress, you know? So whatever. But, uh, it's, it's that type of game where you get stuff for doing things and it's, yeah, it's it's exactly what I needed when I feel like crap because it doesn't require much thought, and it's like that monotonous like button clicking. Like I gotta go do this, I gotta go do that, I gotta go get this thing, and I sometimes I just fall into that. Had a blast. Like I played for way too many hours today, unaware that I was like it had been that many hours. I was like, oh, I should probably do something else. But uh, that's what I've been doing. I've been resting and playing Disney's Dreamland. My friend, when you're unwell, that sounds like the perfect thing to be able to do. Shame you can't get the uh, d- delivery or Uber Eats or whatever to bring you over the pumpkin cold brew. But I'm half tempted now, transatlantically, to do that tomorrow. Um, <laughs> the, as for the lockdown, I, I you know, I, I've been talking to people today at work about that, genuinely, about like, how crazy the whole thing. I'm not going to get into it, but how crazy just the idea of the lockdown was. And obviously, we've mentioned ad nauseum. We've, we did the Bampocalypse, which are kind of like a microcosm of time now but like do like you say just to hear you say and then you know i was playing it during the first lockdown it does feel like such a long time ago now and it does jesus but as soon as you said i got got like a pang of nostalgia not even in a good way uh Mm -hmm. of just remembering that and yeah man i remember we had to kind of fight to find something to watch something to do and keep our uh, minds and bodies intact but uh, i'm glad to hear that you've got something keeping you busy my friend in your rest Thank you, sir. I am getting worse as we sit here. Um, let's wrap up. I did give we'll John back. the option of chilling out this week, but he said, no, the BAMP guys deserve uh, my his voice, and uh, I'm sure you will appreciate it. We'll be back next week to talk Robert Zemeckis' Disney's live-action, quote-unquote live-action, mm-hmm. Pinocchio. There's like one real person in the movie. Um, there's a couple more. But We'll be back to talk about Pinocchio, which is going to be on streaming only. No theatrical release. It's only on Disney+. Plus, uh, So easy to watch. You don't have to venture out in the theaters, which works out for me because I probably shouldn't be in a theater right now. So not going to have to. So no worries, folks. I'm staying home. I'm staying away from people just in case. I I don't even know if I have COVID. I'm just playing it safe. Um, In the meantime, you can follow us on social media. On Instagram, we're at Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. Nope. Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. Stop there. No cast. Matt, where are we on Twitter? john gets it we are at bamp underscore podcast b-a-m-p underscore podcast like john says bloody awesome movie podcast underscore podcast facebook just search bloody awesome movie podcast uh individually burkreviews.com and at burkreviews on all the social media platforms matt where can they find you what i watch tonight.co.uk and the same social platforms what i watch tonight and letterbox you'll find me too and if you like what we're doing here, we ask that you give us that five-star review on whatever podcast catcher you are using to listen. It helps other people find the show. Uh, remember, Matt said, no spoiler episode next week, so this is it. Uh, the next episode will be our review of Pinocchio. No spoilers. Um, with that, we encourage you to keep watching movies. And stay bloody awesome. Blood, 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 bloody. Blood, 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 bloody. Blood, 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 bloody. Blood, 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 bloody, blood, blood, bloody. Awesome. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Blood, 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 blood,